Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. Before I introduce the boys, I want to say I appreciate Misha Tate coming back out of retirement. Our podcast intro was getting real stale. We had a lot of people, we know. What, what's Caraway up to? We don't know. Forrest Griffin retired since we recorded the fucking thing. Greg Jackson? I don't know. But We, we actually do know what Brian Caraway is up to. Committing crime. That's true. He's like a lawnmower or something he stole, was it? Some shit like jet ski. ATV. I think it was a lawnmower. It was a jet ski. It was ATV or, or jet ski? Okay. Misha Tate ensuring that we have another active fighter on the intro of the podcast. True. You heard them already, but with me as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also with me, Kid Presentable. Now you got me thinking about like the last time we actually met fighters in a like public situation and talked to people. Um, didn't we get like half of them from Life is Beautiful in Las Vegas? I feel like that's where we met a good chunk. Uh, of them. Many of them came from Mark, uh, just walking at the EA UFC again event, right? For that's true. That was half. That yeah. was like half and half. Yeah, it's pretty much the two times we met people. Um, and also joining us this week, Lavender Gooms. Hello, guys. Boys and girls, uh, we got a lot to talk about this week. Just fight announcements up to Wazoo, and we've reached a point of, of, uh, with COVID where I'm like, hey, these might actually happen. Um, get, allowed myself to get a little excited. Um, we're going to talk about one championship, actually, uh, something this podcast doesn't do normally, which in our defense, shit's on real unfortunate times for us. But you put it on after a wrestling program that Mike and I watch every week, gives us some hope that we're actually going to watch it. We're going to talk about Bellator. Yes, folks, Bellator. April Fool's past. Well, you're serious. We're talking Bellator's light heavyweight tournament, where a man fighting some of his best, some of doing some of his best work right now, Ryan Bader, is facing old man Machida. Are any of us brave enough to say he will jump into another punch again? Finally, we lost Darren Till this week to a broken fucking uh, collarbone. Um, stepping in on no notice, Kevin Holland. Trying to redeem himself to take on Marvin Vittori, a tall task. We're talking about that also. Leading it off, though, uh, Dustin Poirier has signed the contract to fight Conor McGregor in July at UFC 264. While Conor has not signed the contract, Conor normally doesn't sign contracts until the week of the fight anyway. He had already agreed in principle. So it was all a matter of Mr. Poirier getting his money. Um, he notably turned down a title shot and said he wanted McGregor instead recognizing that he is the uncrowned lightweight champion and also money um marcus this is a fight none of us mm-hmm. have asked for but you know what i bet it's entertaining to watch yeah i mean we it, the writing's been on the wall for a while and once they announced the title fight it became even more obvious that yeah dustin was probably going to fight connor because he's obviously head honcho right now he deserves a title shot unless you you know we talked about many times unless he wanted to rematch the trilogy for connor mcgregor like you mentioned We'll bank him a lot more money. Um, you know, the belt obviously is probably secondary to him at this point off of, you know, I'm pretty sure he's confident he's going to be able to be Connor again and then and then fight for the belt. So he'll be able to get his big payday um, and then the accolades and the legacy that, you know, he so rightfully deserves a shot at. So, yeah, I, it wasn't surprising, but it's 
I was gonna say it's nice, but I don't. I mean, of all the fights you could have put Connor in, you know, I, I don't feel confident in this one. I feel like a, a fresh opponent would have been more exciting for me. But obviously, Connor has something to prove, right? He he came yeah. back, and that was a big loss for him. So for him to you know to try to turn it back and and to get that back means a lot to him. But I don't know that that last fight was super convincing. So it's an uphill battle for him for sure. Yeah, and um, I know we like we've kind of treat Connor now. We're like you know we don't know he's, he doesn't fight that often. So quite frankly, mm-hmm. twice in six months is nice. Um, yeah, that's true. But uh, we want like he's at the point where we want you know fresh matchups for him. Um, but. Guess is rather better than having to have him watch Khabib, uh, having him uh, fight Khabib again. Um, sure. Steph, you got any thoughts on this right now, Mike? Either of you? Do you, why do you want to chime in on this? Or sure. Like, I mean, I, I think it's one of those. The timing of it's a little awkward. You know, it'd like to see a little, maybe Connor specifically come in with a little bit momentum on his end to just run it right back. But I will say it's at least interesting. Was the initial rematch? Everyone kind of was on Connor's side, mm-hmm. like. I'd love to see Dustin's made a lot of improvements. You know, he's really come a long way, but man, that first fight was so bad. I can't see him winning, you know, but then Dustin completely rewrote it. And now it's the other way. Like, ah, Connor, he might be done. He might be a little washed. He might be past his prime. So I at least find that aspect of it interesting of how completely the narrative has flipped. So can Connor kind of reset it a little bit or will it be what it is? So there's at least, there's more curiosity versus an upcoming rematch that none of us really want, i.e. Kamaru versus Masvidal, for example. I would say mm. there's at least some level of intrigue with this one. Yeah. Um, Mike, you got to, you know, be happy the man's getting paid, I guess. And he probably gets a title shot if he wins this anyway. I'm always happy when someone gets paid. Dustin, he takes his fight. He can buy himself some UFC belts. All right, he wants belts. He can. I buy mean, he was the champion, belt. kind of. I mean, he was he was the uh, what's it called champion. That count. I mean, Good point, though, Mike. Those replica belts are expensive. They are not cheap. That is true. They are not cheap. Um, also, if there's an I before your C. That means you don't count. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping that I'll was gonna happy. rhyme when he started saying that. I'll be honest. I thought that was a I'll, rhyme coming. <laughs> half, halfway through the sentence, I thought, "Do I got one in me?" No, I don't got one in me. Um, <laughs> from the streets don't mean i can rap uh i'm happy for this fight um i would like to hope that i would like to see connor win mainly because not because i think connor's a particularly great guy or great man but i want to see him still be interesting you know and the only way you're interesting is if you actually win some fights and having him lose two in a row to dustin poirier kind of extinguishes all of that i don't think it's i mean i think connor's reached a level of fame mike where we're if he wants to keep fighting, there's going to be a certain level of intrigue no matter who he fights. There's certain fights you can just write down for Connor that will be there no matter what. I mean, he kind of ends up in the Nate Diaz territory of like any fight makes sense at any time if he loses this one. For example, what we're going to talk about in a second here with Nate, fighting a number one contender bout, let's be honest, at 170 pounds, that's what that is, um, given who's fighting in the title match. So I don't, I don't think there's as much pressure on Connor as it would be like, I don't know. I guess a less famous fighter, if that makes sense. I don't know. I, I kind of agree with Mike, though. Like, if yeah, he loses maybe. two in a row, because people, I mean, and I don't agree with it with the rhetoric, but people are already saying, like, oh, he's shot. Like, like Stefan was saying before, like, oh, he's shot. He doesn't have it anymore. He's, you know, a shadow of his former self. And I don't think that's true. But when if he loses to Dustin twice, like, I, I think to a degree, you're, you're right, Bob. Like, he fights Nate. That's going to be, you know, I, I think he still has drawing power, but like, it gets diminished the more he loses. And, 
the more that there seems like there's guys out there that are just better than him. And that's why like Habib leaving is kind of like a blessing in disguise for him. Cause it's like, okay, you don't have to deal with that. Cause that guy was a matchup that seemed insurmountable for him. Dustin seems like a winnable fight for him. Cause it's a, it's a I mean, hell, he won fight, the first but- round when they fought. <laughs> True, but like if he loses another stand-up fight, now it's like okay, his Achilles heel isn't just like okay, this pack. I mean, Habib's like the best grappler of all time. Yeah, that's an Achilles heel. But now it's like now there's like good strikers that are beating him, and that kind of really, you know, takes some shine off. So I don't know. I, I, you know, I agree with what everyone's saying to certain degrees. Like I, I think Connor wins. He needs that shine because he's a big star and. He keeps losing fights. It's it's not going to shine as bright, and that's why I, I agree with Steph too. Like I would have liked to see him fight a lesser opponent. He gets a win, and he changes a little bit of the narrative because right now the narrative is like he's shot. He's not the same guy he was before. But you know he goes and fights. I'm trying to think of some schlub he could Man, fight. Lightweight, lightweight. lightweight is tough to fight a schlub entirely. Lightweight is really tough. Gonna... He fights Al Aquinta, which isn't a good matchup because he's a wrestler or something. But like he that would have been fun to watch. Al because Al Al is a bad enough motherfucker that Al will try to stand with them too. Would stand with them too. Yeah. yeah. But like for him to get a win, just it 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 builds the narrative. Like okay, he's not shot. He still has it. He he smoked this guy or whatever. You know what I hate about this fucking like uh. I mean, it's nice that there more people are watching this sport, and in theory, people will get paid. Though, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, the Venom deal doesn't suggest it. Um, the in theory paychecks will go up with this ESPN stuff and more people watching and stuff. Right. But the casual fan giving us the always of like any time a motherfucker loses is because he sucks. Yeah, I know MMA always has that, but like there's just more people mm-hmm. now, and I you know that part's unfortunate. But I agree, it's slightly different with a Connor or a um you know to a much lesser extent because it's pretty fresh. But Israel Adesanya mm-hmm. and look at Kevin Holland, mm-hmm. they make a persona off of being invincible, of being. So it's one of the the more shit you talk, the 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 high the, the greater your fall. That's true. So he asked for it in a way, you know. It, it it'd be unfair with certain guys like Curtis Blades, for example, because he's not out here like rattling a bunch of cages. But when you want to compare yourself to Ali, when you want to constantly tell everyone I am the greatest, then you got to back the results. That's fair. Okay, um, it can't be that one of your greatest lines is "I'll change your bum life." You know, baby, we did it. It's, it's red panty night. It can't be those are your most famous lines, and you're and you're losing. In fairness, you get those things just from fighting him. You don't have to even win. <laughs> it's red panty night just from fighting him. Um, yeah, it sounds like the lightweight division's kind of getting um, cleared up a little bit. We got Oliveira and um, Michael Chandler fighting for the inner lightweight strap. Mm-hmm. Winners, I'm honestly, Dustin Poirier wins. I imagine Dustin Poirier fights the winner. Connor winning, interesting. Honestly, Connor's it depends what he wants if he wins this fight. If he wants a title shot, they'll give him a title shot in any weight class. In any sport, probably. Um, we uh it sounds like Justin Gaethje's left out in the cold here a bit. Not yeah. a, a bit entirely. Um that would have been fun for Connor, quite frankly. I would have liked to seen that too. That would have been great. Yeah, that would have been great. Gaethje, what a, I mean, it would have been dangerous. Him to win. Yeah. But Gaethje would have just fucking walked him down, too. It would have been great to watch. True. But he would have done the Eddie Alvarez. He would have walked into all those Oh, my God. It would have been awesome. Um, so, and uh, we also got Benil Darius taking on Tony Ferguson. Um, that was booked as well, which I like that fight for Tony and Benil, quite frankly. But if Tony loses to Benil Darius, not that I don't think Benil's a good fighter, but we're talking back end of the top 10, maybe. Yeah, it's looking rough. It's not looking good. Um, I did like Tony. Tony. On, uh, what's Khabib's uh, guy's name? Uh, Makachev is long. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think he was calling out Gaethje to be the same thing. Like, you don't really have anything to do. I don't have anything to do. Why don't we fight each other? So, 
um, that's you know interesting if it happens. Uh, Steph, that would be just great. a heads up, your camera is frozen for me, um, which if you can just when coming. Can I come up. back? Yours yeah. is frozen for a sec too. Yeah, I'll see what happens. Back, so, we um, so I did like it made me laugh. There was an interview with Drew Dober who just got Makachev'd, um a few weeks ago, mm. and um, he says he went back to the gym. He trains with uh, Gaethje, right? And he says uh, he says he walked into the gym and he was talking to Gaethje. And he just looked over at Gaethje. And um, Gaethje was just like, right? Because like Gaethje had gotten a Mega Medoft. They'd both been Dagestaned recently. And he's, Gaethje just looked at him like, right? Right? Like, that shit's tough. Um, trying to beat these guys. Um, yeah. Um, Tony Ferguson fighting Benio and Justin Gaethje left out in the cold, who's getting called out by Rafael Dos Anjos. Which I would take that fight just because it's never bad to beat Rafael Dos Anjos. Yeah, he's always up there. So. He, Rafael's always up there, no matter what. Um... Another fight that was booked, we mentioned Nate Diaz literally making our podcast irrelevant about a half a day after it gets posted. Um, Nate Diaz is fighting Leon Edwards at 170 pounds in the co-main event of that uh, Chandler Oliveira card because they need people to buy this thing. And it's a five-round co-main event, which apparently is nothing ever stopping the UFC from doing this. Apparently um, not. <laughs> never was, apparently. Um, they could have done whatever they wanted. Um, my favorite meme I saw was, uh, you know, the Nate Diaz, I'm not surprised, motherfucker. They, the reaction of, I'm actually quite surprised. This one, I'm qu actually quite surprised about this, motherfucker. <laughs> I didn't see that shit coming. Leon Edwards fighting Nate Diaz? Um, didn't see that coming at all. Um, I've noticed, I noticed that the online community, especially Reddit MMA, really doesn't like Nate. Talk about how excited they are to watch Leon whoop his ass, which might happen, quite frankly. Leon's Wait a second. Why, why do we hate Nate now? What's going on it's here? Reddit. They don't need a reason. Um, they, uh, but Leon's excellent, honestly, all around. But weirder shit's happened. Um, Steph, you can kind of read the UFC matchmaking play out in your head where you're like, okay, number one contender Leon Edwards is fighting Nate Diaz. On the other side of it, you are Jorge Masvidal fighting... Uh, Kamaro Usman in an unnecessary fight. You can kind of see the outcome they're hoping for. Extremely unlikely, though, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, I think from our standpoint, contender Nate Diaz isn't really what we see the, his like the remaining career arc as. You know, it's like why they create the BMF title, right? Mm -hmm. Is showcase big money, interesting fights. It's kind of what we foresee as the future of Connor. Right, where it's like not necessarily about chasing titles, it's about chasing big, exciting, bankable matchups. But based on who Kamaru called out for his title reign, where like, oh, you're calling out Mosfidal because you think Mosfidal's got some cachet that's going to be a big draw, like instead of like the credible contender, it's like, you know, Usman, he wants to fight a Diaz brother, right? So it, it 100% is a way to shoehorn Nate past the line if he should win, but. At a certain point, you know, if, if Edwards just wins, as I think most of us will probably pick in this scenario, um, then he's just that guy. Well, you, it was inevitable, right? The guy basically had eight wins in a row or something at that point. Yeah, Leon, so don't, Leon just, don't lose. He may, he may, you know, get a no contest. He might cheat. He may ain't losing. Um, yeah, you know I mean, that's the chaos I'm kind of hoping for is some type of yeah. fluky DQ finish and Leon Edwards just remains in a holding pattern. You know what, man? They can both lose. Both Usman, both uh, Jorge and Nate, Mark, they can just book them after that if they want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you were saying before, this is kind of a surprise matchup because 
I would not have booked Leon Edwards against Nate because I just don't think those two necessary. I mean, Nate sells. Leon, I think it's still hasn't been proven i don't i did i guarantee you know what man i bet i bet usman and burns didn't sell shit and they're staring down the prospect of edwards versus usman and they're like worst case scenario people will buy this pay-per-view and watch leon edwards whoop nate diaz's ass yeah that's true but yeah it's just it was not a matchup i was thinking of because i don't think it's a great matchup for nate you know i think like a wonder boy would be kind of fun uh luke would be interesting um, oh poor Luke! Yeah, I think yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's always been for so long. But, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, but it is what it is, and it is a five round fight, which is it. It seems weird that this is the one that like I don't know why this fight needs to be five rounds necessarily, but I also I have a hard time Nate because Nate said he wants five rounds. Probably I guess that's it, right? And it's, it's, I have a hard time seeing Nate as that contender. He hasn't really earned that spot. Like if, if he beats Leon. That, that is kind of enough cachet because Leon is so clearly a number one contender, even though his last fight was very controversial. Um, but it's just like Nate has, I mean, and I love the guy. We all love the guy. Like he is a fun fighter when, when he is on, it is a show to watch. He's great on the mic, but like, and it, it this is such a stupid case to argue because merit means nothing anymore in the UFC. But to me, he just doesn't have the merit to, to earn yeah, that title two shot. years and he lost in, exactly. his, in his weight class. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and Jorge pieced him up, you know, and and that was a fight that you know we, I think a lot of us kind of saw that coming too, just stylistically. That wasn't. Yeah, we, we didn't really dig Nate. the New York doctor being real shitty and stopping the fight early, but besides that, it wasn't going well. It was not no. going well. It wasn't yeah. like we were like, oh, Nate's about but, to get you know, hey, I, I'm all for it for Nate to shock me and you know. Get, yeah, get you know what? At this point, I just happy Nate's fighting. Right, that's it. Where we're at. Yeah, that that's probably the most biggest takeaway. It's like I'm just glad he's getting back in there, and I'm even giving if he up. You know, this fight. Yeah. Hopefully, it's like a, a three-month turnaround for this next fight and not two years. Yeah, Mike, you were going to chime in. Is he the main event of this fight? I mean, no, but really, yes. <laughs> Let's be honest. The main event, I mean, is Charles Oliveira and Chandler, which in fairness is a banger. Um, yeah. And God, I hope Oliveira wins. I want the UFC to have to figure that situation out. Give me Charles Oliveira, who still makes no effort to speak English. None. And he's just out there doing charity. Let's give me him and Dustin, all right? The charity matchup <laughs> after this. Yeah, that's probably good. He can't speak any English, but he has the Bronx in his name. It's uh, making no interesting. effort. It's Do Bronx, which I think just means Do means from or of the or something in Portuguese. Yo, exactly. He's from the BX. That's BX right. all Is day. He? He's from English. No, yeah? no, no, he's not. He's no, right? yeah, I didn't think so. He's <laughs> Brazilian through and through. <laughs> I like that he, like, when he comes out, he, like, had that big camera on. He looks like he's a tourist. I'm a big fan of Charles Oliveira at this point. He's a good guy. Um, All right, a couple other fights we want to announce. Um, So, Wonderboy and Gilbert Burns is happening. Um, mm-hmm. It's a co-main event to Dustin and Connor at the moment. I mean, I'm, I'm, let's be honest. Nobody else gets paid when they got to pay Connor and somebody else on a pay-per-view. So we probably sure. won't see another guy on there. Um, so I don't entirely like the matchup just because I would rather if Wonderboy is fighting somebody else and he might lose to them, that guy be a title contender who hasn't just fought. That being said, Nate Diaz is fighting Edward Steph. So fuck it. Whatever. I mean, we're just putting him out there. <laughs> Like I said, I was just talking about a guy they do want to shoehorn a title shot to. Here's a guy they don't want to give one. Mm. Uh, if Wonder Boy loses, he's out of the picture. If he wins, he doesn't get the title shot. They don't. I don't. I don't know what Stephen Thompson's family did to the UFC brass, but they don't really want him in the picture. Yeah. Um, so Alex Volkanovsky got COVID, and it was right. bad. 
I was reading some of the stuff he was going through, like hacking up a lot of blood, um, couldn't breathe. This guy's a supreme athlete, and this happened to him, by the way. And um, we, they were supposed to fight on the Nganu and Stipe card. Instead, they are doing the return of the Ultimate Fighter on ESPN+. Plus. So I, I almost got to assume that's so that Volkanovski could have even more time to I mean, to I imagine that's part of it. And now that I say it, now I think about it. It was just we went from that fight happening a week ago to not happening for six months. Um, I don't know where we're at with featherweight contenders either because Max keeps, keeps beating everybody up. There, there's that too. More importantly, do we really need the ultimate fighter? No, I mean, that's a big oh, I mean, a conversation Mark and I were having. Um, Steph, your camera froze. Sorry, but if, I see you unmuted. Do you want to say something? Oh, um, I was just going to say, when it comes to tough, like, there's basically no combination of fighters you can announce that gives me any interest in the show whatsoever, except for one. And this is a preview of next week's episode, and that would be Rival Brothers, Jake and Logan Paul coaching MMA against each other. By the way, Logan Paul was on uh, SmackDown and handled himself well enough that I was like, this kid is not the worst actor I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, yeah, um, Mike, Mark and I were talking about this earlier today where I thought if this thing was going to be – like if the Ultimate Fighter was going to be on ESPN, proper ESPN, which wasn't going to happen, but even like ESPN2, where it's still the second most expensive cable channel in the world – or in the U.S., sorry. Um, I'm like, okay, maybe you come – you put like John Jones and Francis on there just because like – they're not going to fight for six months anyway. And then you actually get some promotional machine behind this thing to be like, oh, on tough two, on tough this week, we got Francis and John staring at each other again. That bullshit, the tough bullshit. Where like, if it was going to be on a, like the network, it would make sense to me. This is not going to be on the network. This is on ESPN plus. So, um, actually, I actually respectfully, I think you have it backwards, Bobby. I think it's a good thing that it's on ESPN plus because that's just the way things are going now. Um, obviously, terrestrial you know, TV is still important on some level, but everything is going to streaming now. You have Paramount Plus. You have Peacock. You've, obviously, you got the OGs. You got, you got Hulu. You got YouTube TV. ESPN Plus is actually a huge part of ESPN's future going forward. So the fact that they're putting tough on ESPN Plus... I think is actually a sign of things to come and is actually a good thing. So do we need tough though? You're the one who asked the question. Like this is what we're getting. No, we don't need tough. Tough, I, I don't see the point of it. We have Dana White's contender series for a reason. I, I really don't need the episodic bullshit of, of tough anymore in my life. But if you're going to have it anywhere, I agree with having it on. Yeah, I mean, points. tough also people who are newer MMA fans got to know tough when it came out, it was a big deal to get fights on like well, once a week you get a fight on to get a fight on TV, you know that was a big deal. Now there are so many fucking fights mm-hmm. on TV. You're you know, it's we're all losing our goddamn minds. Like, and the talent pool isn't out there anymore. I mean, the first season of Tough gave you half the UFC like roster for a while there. You know, you got like six title contenders out of the first season of Tough. More than six, probably. Honestly, like you know, it also after years of watching it and it running, you also kind of realize it creates an unnatural circumstance for the fighters anyways, where realistically everyone on the show is fighting outside of their proper weight class because they're forced to live in this house where they're restricted access to the outside world. So they have to stay in a certain weight range 
to you know have these exhibition fights every so and so weeks and so it's like it doesn't even tell you give you a good gauge as to what they'll actually be coming out yeah, of the show so it's just it's just more useless the more you've had time to like break it that's down that's why when they tell you whatever like weight class it is for tough you're like okay well these guys are all the weight class below this like you got to mentally assume that like i remember tony won tough at welterweight um Bisping at light heavyweight, Rashad at heavyweight. You know, we're going far, far back here. But, like, they're just – you can't maintain that. Like, you can't cut that much on that short of notice. And, you know, that like, it's also – it's COVID. How are they going to do this? Like, we're all going to live in a house together? Is this necessary? Really? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, with, with COVID, that actually makes sense, right? I mean, that's just the have, bubble? Them all <laughs> have them all isolated together. If anything, I think that's how it normally is. I, I, are the, camera, are the cameramen living and leaving at the house too? Because they got a life to oh. live. As I was saying, the cameraman got to live at the house. Put on some masks. Yeah. Wasn't there that one tough where the guy tried to fuck one of the camera women? Wasn't that a thing? Or like there was like <laughs> I remember that. That one. was that was a thing, man. I'm telling you, that was one of the one of the seasons, like two or three. Um, also, you find out stuff about some of these fighters coaching that you're just like, God, this guy's a fucking idiot. You know, <laughs> I, I I did just want to say I thought Mike brought up an interesting point about maybe plus being a better fit, but I do I. I do wonder how it's going to do on ESPN Plus because, and again, I don't really know the fan base that's using Plus on like a daily. Because like for for me, and I imagine you guys too, like I go to ESPN Plus because I know there's a fight on there, and I'm just looking for that. Like it's not a thing where I'm going to peruse random what's going to be on there because mostly it's just they just re-air sports, right? They don't really. Yeah, have I mean, I was content, well, the thing that's on there that, I, that I'm aware I've, of. I've gone after watching like um. Like thirty and thirty for thirty, thirty and like that. that detail show with Cormier is really good. That's true, but I mean, like maybe maybe it does have. A but honestly, it's show, like there's so much content out there. I'm not chasing shit down. That's like not in my immediate. I just thought, wonder right? how well, and it's. it's I mean, we have to know the numbers, where, I guess, of how well it's doing to see. Yeah, I would I would like to know the numbers, and I just I don't. My finger's not on the pulse of like, does reality TV show still draw like it used to? Honestly, like I don't know. I think it does to some degree. But it also seems really played out too. But I, I'm not well, the, the market. Mike, you... Well, <laughs> mm -hmm. enlighten. Well, guys, should they we hand know, out roses? We we don't. It's a good thing you mentioned roses because I was going to say a quarter of the year I am half distracted on this podcast because I will have the Bachelor on or the Bachelor. Yeah, but that's on TV on though, man. Background. That's on terrestrial TV. That is reality TV. But it's on TV. Exactly. But it's on TV. Beautiful. It's on regular TV. It's not streaming. All right. I'm but he's just talking about reality well, TV. I'm just saying, we don't exactly have the most compelling people on. Look, Brian Ortega is a real pretty man, okay? He's a very pretty man. I saw him walking around the fucking casino in Caesar's Palace, and my, you know, for a moment. Not with took, that shaved head, Bobby. Yeah, he not took, with that shaved that's true. head. If he's, if he's coming out with that clean shaved the, the head, I don't know about That's true. The Pantene Pro-V, Brian Ortega was walking around the Caesar's Palace, took my breath away for a moment. I mean, Volkanovsky, look, I, the most interesting thing about Volkanovsky is he used to be 260 pounds. Like that's true. That, he was a very. I mean, man. That, you got to show that picture all you want. Um, I do just wonder. Maybe the show would be more appealing to the masses if all the fighters were kissing up on Dana White and going out on dates, and maybe they're making love on a couple episodes. <laughs> maybe that is the arc we need to embrace on this show to get the fans in. I know I'd be more interested. People going on dates with Dana White, taking him to the beach, and kissing up on him, and meeting his family in the last episode. The ultimate fucker. There if there isn't a porno version of the ultimate fighter called the ultimate fucker, come on. 
porn. Help us out. That's got to exist. Some, make some calls, Bobby. It's definitely, I mean, I don't, it's definitely I don't gay porn, the, right? Come on. I, I, I haven't frequented <laughs> the, the gay porn sites, but I would not be shocked. But if if it isn't out there, it should be. Um, let's get past this discussion and get to talk about other stuff. But real quickly, Korean Zombie, Dan Ige, five-round main event. Nice. That just sounds like some violence. I mean... I want to see the zombie back. Yeah. Get to see the zombie. Any zombie fight. It, it's a good, a good test if uh, zombie still has it. Yeah. Who does zombie fight. get marked by? Uh, Ortega? Wasn't it Ortega? Ortega, Ortega his beat his ass, one. right? Yeah. It was rough. That was Ortega's best stand-up fight. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Um, so we got um, one championship uh, on TNT um, happening uh, this Wednesday. Every week of April, um, we have this going on. Um, so the first one, um, is Mighty Mouse Johnson taking on their champion, Adriano Moraes, um, happening at the Singapore Indoor Stadium in Singapore. Uh, next week we got, uh, Christian Lee fighting, um, their lightweight champion. Um, week after that, we got Lineker on the card. We got Nikki Holtzkin, Nikki Holtzkin against John Wayne Parr and Muay Thai. Oh God. How old like is John Wayne Parr? Like, John Wayne Parr is old as dirt, John, John, John Wayne Parr is still out here doing the thing? Nikki, was Nikki your guy, Steph? I remember you used to watch Glory a little bit. Was he Nikki was. your guy? Yeah. yeah, I like Nikki. Nikki Nikki was the champion for as mm-hmm. long as that lasted at whatever that weight class was. Yeah. Approximately welterweight-ish. Yeah. Um, and then we got Glory. we got Shinya Aoki um, the week after that against Sage Northcutt. And Ed, Edward... Oddly appealing. Uh, Edward, Edward Foyleon... Foy- Fuala Yang versus Yoshihara. You could have said any word right there. Uh, he's good. He was their champion, wasn't he? Uh, mm-hmm. Yang was their champion. Yeah, he was their champion before. Um, and he's taking on Yoshihiro Akiyama on there. We got some stuff happening. Mark Fuala Yang used to do uh, oh, what, what is that uh, stand show that uh, Kung Lee used to do with all the rolling? Okay. Fuala Yang <laughs> used to do that. I love that because every time I saw Kung Lee do it. Obviously, the other guy had only done kickboxing. He's like, well, you just scissor kick take me down. I know this, you can do this shit in this. He's doing double legs and shit. I um, doesn't know what was going on. So what we got that's interesting here is we have um, this is coming on at 10 p.m. Eastern time slash Pacific time right after uh, All Elite Wrestling Dynamite on TNT, which is in terms of like live content um, the only better position on TNT which actually be a much better position I think. I don't know ratings. Would have been after NBA, um, Tuesday or Thursday. Um, mm. Though those go are double headers and they go on at like 1 a.m. by the time it's over. So that wasn't going to happen. Mike, this is a big deal for one championship in the United States, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, one champion, to my knowledge, has never actually had a TV home before. It's always been something you've had to catch on like a random channel that like maybe your your cable subscriber has or catch it on yeah, the I internet. Yeah, I think we heard like BR Live. I remember we heard this was going to be a thing maybe when they first got on BR Live because I think BR is owned mm-hmm. by, BR Live is owned by, or Bleacher Report in general is owned by uh, uh, Time Warner. So this is, a, mm-hmm. this is yeah, this is their first time on United States television and the second or the third biggest cable network actually after yeah. ESPN2. And, and it's going to be a huge lead in for them. Um AEW normally on Wednesday, uh, they average maybe about a hundred, eight hundred uh, thousand viewers per week. So, if they could keep half of that audience, I think that would be a huge win for one. Yeah, and they got a the AEW does what does really well is it's always near the top in the coveted eighteen to thirty to forty nine uh, demographic, um, which is the people advertisers think spend money. 
Um, Mark, you put your best foot forward, I guess. You spent all your money bringing the arguably at the time top two or three pound for pound for pound fighter in the world in Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. He won that tournament of theirs uh, two years ago to get a number one to get a title shot. And here we are to him taking on their flyweight champion. Yeah. I mean, over the last couple of years, we've kind of been wondering, like, why are they spending so much money getting this talent, that this American-based talent over to one when the American audience could not really consume their product? You know, like, what's the point of getting Eddie and uh, DJ and all these guys, Sage Northcutt, over there? And why do they have Misha Tate and Rich Franklin? Why do they have so many connections with, you know, American MMA fighters? And there's it's very difficult for us to, to watch those events. Th this is why they were building up to this. They obviously had a plan. They, they wanted, if not this exact scenario, something very similar to it to kind of make a big splash. It remains to be seen if it's really going to resonate, right? I, I do feel what's going to, what's going to be their biggest hurdle is, is, is the UFC and just how much content the UFC puts out. It is going to be these wrestling fans at the end of, and how long is the AEW show? AEW two hours? is two hours. They tend to skew, okay. I mean, not adult, more of an adult wrestling fan in general. You kind of feel for them this week because if this is a week you don't want to be on a after AEW, it is WrestleMania week when NXT their competition is running essentially a pay per view the same night. Um, so I wonder how well it's really going to do this week, Mike. Just with what's happening with um, the stand and deliver show and stuff, but you got to go for it, man. They got all month. They got the entire month of April to convince people to watch one championship, basically. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, they're doing the best they can with what they got. I just, I honestly don't know if it's going to be enough. I would almost, and and this could be a completely wrong marketing strategy, just like put all your eggs in one basket, just have like one big event. But then it's like, you know, they're doing a whole weekly thing. I don't know. It's tough because like, is is DJ by himself? The, and do we know how long their show is? Is their show going to be two hours long I think long it's too? only three fights. So I don't. Think I hope it's, it's an hour. I think it's an hour. I hope it's a. Well, here's the thing. I they can they can edit a it. Clean hour. They can edit yeah, this thing. I hope down. it's a clean hour where it's just like just get us fights. Like let's let you you do have to do a little promotion because a lot of people aren't going to know who the fuck any of these guys no, are. Not at all. So you do have yeah. to have a little package to lead people in to try to get you interested in the fights. But I feel like it needs to be action packed and it needs to be short because it you're going to be getting guys that are like okay I really like AEW that was a fun show. Okay, there's this MMA thing on. Maybe I'll try it out. And, you know, that first fight is... And good thing, the tape delay could be, you know, a blessing in disguise. Put a banger out there, you know, because you got to get... You got to catch yeah, it those eyeballs. Yeah, it looks like we're going to get... Um, stick on. There's going to be a Muay Thai fight. Um, and those are fun. And that's what people... Yeah. I mean, it, I like how they do kickboxing because it, it, I think it's what most the casual MMA fans will want. Yeah. It's just like an MMA fight where they don't grapple. Exactly. They just kick, kickbox. And it, it's brutal. It, it, they have really good kickboxing matches. So I hopefully that does. I mean, whatever, whatever gets a better ending, honestly, Steph, between that fight and the Eddie Alvarez fight should be what they air first. If they get a, whatever's the more exciting might, you got to just, yeah, put it, put what you got forward. Right, man. And hope for the best. Look, I'm not hopeful for them. Um, there's not enough room for a second MMA organization let alone a third. If they can develop a cult following, that is great for them. I have no hopes in this picking up any level of traction. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we're also, this is one uh, where, um, I forgot the name of the guy who runs the place, but they just lie about their numbers. They have some nonsense about how many hundred million people watch their program, which they have no numbers. They're not true. They can't back it up. We'll see though, man. I mean, I'm going to try to watch it. I mean, if I'm, if I honestly, I'll be honest, if I hear the result, of the Demetrius Johnson fight, and if it just says Demetrius Johnson, unanimous decision, 
I'm probably not going to watch that. You tell me Demetrius Johnson got a finish, I'll be like, okay, what could I, I mean? By the way, the betting line in this, Stefan, what was it earlier today before the podcast when we looked? It was nine something, right? I think it was like minus 950. It's close to a thousand. It, it is it, moved. It is now minus 1050. More money is coming in on Demetrius Johnson. So I know it pays peanuts on the dollar, <laughs> but I want them peanuts. Honestly, Demetrius Johnson is just like a pretty like good it's a good savings account right now, guys. It's paying 10%. Okay. It's 10% quickly on that. Um so we'll see, man. It's one championship. We were gonna pick, honestly, we were gonna pick the DJ fight before the podcast started. This stuff I made a good point of like why he's a 10 to 1 favorite. So we're not trying to goose our numbers too much this um this uh week and folks i was actually gonna take a loss if we were picking that fight i'd be like what's the fun in all of us picking a massive favorite i may as well just take and just you give me two points when uh, adrian morace as mike said which morace is that and we answered you don't know which morace yeah, it's not of the ones you know it's not of the ones you know um bellator's back this week second show on showtime again at the mohegan sun in Uncasville, which Mike refuses to go to Bellator in Uncasville, <laughs> no matter what I offer to make happen for him, man, not happening. Um, coming sounds up, like a sounds like a rare form of uh, foot fungus. Uncasville, <laughs> true. <laughs> um, coming off of, of a week where their best fighter fought, quite frankly, Patricio Pitbull, their dual champion at fly at fly at uh, sorry flyweight featherweight and lightweight. Uh, rematched his toughest contender probably in Emmanuel Sanchez. Not sure if anybody else saw this where they spent three minutes uh, feeling each other out. Then um, I don't know what Sanchez was going for. Some sort of kick it looked like. Then he got hit. He got dropped. He got guillotined. And then um, Patricio told the referee he is sleeping. And then the referee took his time to be like, Oh, he is sleeping. Oh, the referee was like, "Oh, he's sleeping. Let me give him a second to be comfortable." And then Pitbull wanna, got up, and then Pitbull got up and said, "He is sleeping." And we're like, "Thanks, Pitbull." Um, really setting up a matchup. I'm actually excited for in Antonio and AJ McKee. I keep wanting to say to call him Antonio. Um, he's Antonio McKee's son, though. AJ McKee, bit mm. of a goddamn um, super prospect here, making it to the tournament final. Patricio defending that title a couple times just to get to this tournament final. When they have that fight happen, um, it'd be nice if they had some people around to watch their best fighter fight, quite frankly. Sure. Yeah. Um, this week, though, the start of that light heavyweight Grand Prix, um, Ryan Bader, Leota Machida, they fought, I want to say it's been at least five years since the first time they fought, where Ryan Bader went with the classic Ryan Bader move of eyes closed, jumping into a man's fist. Nine years ago, they fought. It feels it does not feel like nine years ago, guys. Um, in those nine years, man, Leota got a little old, straight up. Um, Ryan Bader kind of reached his final form. I say peak Ryan Bader was probably Steph. You want to say a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Um, Whenever he won that heavyweight yeah, tournament. Yeah. yeah, when he won the heavyweight tournament, which while well, taking no damage at all, basically, he somehow took six punches in the heavyweight tournament, I think. Beat up Matt Mitrione, beat up Bador, beat up some other guy, forgot who. Um... Then he fought Fedor's prodigy, and Nemkov came in there. I think that's his name, right? Sounds right. I, God, I feel bad. He's so good, too. That's what happens when guys don't fight that often. Yeah, Nemkov. But even Nemkov got revenge for his master and whooped Ryan Bader's ass like he stole something. Ryan Bader, Leota Machida. Um, the betting line, Steph, let's be honest, it would be worse if we all didn't see a man jump into the other guy's fist with his eyes closed once. 
we know it'd be worse. What is it? Go? Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, we like to remember the history, but it, it was so long ago. I, I simply think Machida doesn't have, he doesn't have the reflex speed to pull that off, even if Bader does jump in eyes closed again. So um, are we making the picks? Yeah, man, give, give, give the betting line say. and make your pick, sir. Yeah, um, Bader's coming in at minus 300 to Leoto's plus 250. Um, that's fair. Uh, I think it's Bader. It's just Bader by viable prospect. Yeah. Um, Bader's come before that loss to Nemkov, Bellator. I mean, Bader was undefeated, was unbeaten in eight fights. One of those was a no contest where Chuck Congo lied about getting eye poked. Um, cause I didn't see no eye poke. Um, let's check Congo. Weird shit happens. Um, Machida's coming off a of two split decision losses to Phil Davis and Gegard Musasi. I remember watching the Musasi one thinking Musasi should be should not have let him hung around, like should not have let this be this close. I remember thinking Musasi's way better than him. So I was oddly impressed with how much Machida had left. Didn't watch him fight Phil Davis because that sounds horrible for everybody involved. I got to go with Ryan Bader, man. I'm going to feel like a real dumbass if he gets knocked out again. But man, he's you got to think Ryan Bader's turned a corner enough not to lose this fight. Mike? Yeah, I'm going to go with Bader as well. You have to assume, considering it hasn't really happened since, that, you know, jumping in and just getting hit by someone, it's, you know, it's like a one-time deal. Maybe at most, two-time deal. So I mean, it did happen um, twice. Didn't, is that what he did to Tito? Was that what he jumped yeah. into Tito's fist, too? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why, as soon as I said one time, I was like, no, wait a second, it happened with Tito as well, our mayor pro tem. And I was going to say, Mike, you want to plug that pro Twitter account since we, Tito came up naturally just now? <laughs> Borrachinha Depot. That's right. Guys, check it out. Yeah. That's where you see how big of a dumbass Tito Ortiz is. Uh, but I've got Bader in this fight. Um, as you said, it's been nine years. Um, Machida has for sure gotten much older. He is not the fighter that he used to be. And uh, Bader is further up on that hill of the downslope. So I'm going to go with Bader. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure how the brackets line up exactly with this tournament. Um but we'll see. Marcus, who do you got this? Who do you got in this? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to pick Machida to make it interesting, but it's that would be illogical. That would even even for me to, to make it interesting. That's too illogical for me to pick that one. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with I didn't even know he fought Phil Davis, um, or that Machida had moved up to two hundred five in any recent yeah. fight. So I mean, it's kind of good that he's not just jumping up from one eighty five to two hundred five for this fight. But I have to imagine that. Him losing to Phil Davis gives Ryan Bader a lot of confidence because he beat Phil Davis. They kind of have similar styles, you know, they're both wrestlers and stuff. So I'm sure he picked up some stuff from that fight. But and also, you know, Bader is kind of accustomed to these Grand Prix. You know, he knows how to win them. He knows how to conserve himself. So I, I do think he's the logical pick in this matchup at the very least. Um, yeah, it's clean sweep. Also on this card, we got Liz Carmouche fighting Vanessa Porto. We got Katzengano sure. on there. We got Julia Budd on there. We got uh, Goiti Yamauchi, which I know his name. So I'm trying to remember why, to be honest. Yeah, he, he had a bit of a run. He was a good session yeah, guy. Exactly. Not a bad card. Yeah, I mean, not bad. Uh, next week, this tournament continues. We'll talk about it next week with Nemkov versus Phil Davis 2. Apparently, they fought once before. Probably didn't go well for Phil Davis. Um, yeah, that's why I have to imagine. Um, Corey Davis. Before we Sorry. Oh, sorry. Well, got, sorry. You're gonna, go ahead and listen. Yeah, Corey listen Davis up. taking Corey Davis, Corey Anderson taking on um, Dovletson Yag Shimuradov, which I looked him up when we first talked about this tournament. Bit of a 
tough prospect for uh, Corey Anderson in his debut. And then mm-hmm. the following week, we get what we all want to fucking see. We get Yoel Romero versus uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson. That's what this tournament's... That, Scott Coker's not fucking around this time, guys. Remember these old fucking tournaments where we're trying to, like, in Strike Force, where we're like, all right, what do we book so we end up with Strike with a Fedor versus Alistar? And then fucking they both lose, okay? Or, or Fedor loses to Bigfoot. Now uh, Scott Coker ain't fucking around. He's like, what do you want to see? Bigfoot? Or you want to see uh, Rumble versus uh, Yoel? First round. We're doing that. There you go. Uh, Steph, you wanted to chime in? <laughs> yeah. Um, while, you know, this field is su- rem- surprisingly stacked for Bellator, and just what we mm-hmm. consider their general talent pool to be. Um, but I will say, even, since it has that odd caveat that Nemkov is defending his title within whatever mm-hmm. his matchup draws are, I am a little remiss and disappointed uh, that Scott Coker did not take my suggestion of, in honor of us being only a couple weeks away from my uh, second most anticipated movie of the year 2021, um, and not doing a Mortal Kombat-style tournament where everyone just fights Nemkov. Nemkov just has a ladder, and we go through all the light heavyweights over two months, and uh, that's the tournament. That's a more fun tournament, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, Mortal Kombat's coming out soon, guys. I'm excited. You know what? We're sitting here looking at this, and I'm just thinking, man, the the light heavyweight fight I want to see is Jan Blockowitz versus versus Nemkov. That is the matchup yeah, that for the best if, light heavyweight in the universe. That I mean, if Nemkov, Portugal, uh, if, Nem- if, Nemkov if, Nem- if Nemkov gets through the ladder without taking much damage, he uh he fights Reptile between the seventh and eighth fight. <laughs> Phil, da- secret- Phil Davis, nice play, nicely played. Phil Davis is the only one he didn't finish in Bellator. Went to a split decision, so we'll see what mm-hmm. happens there. Um, all right, um, UFC next week or this week. I was excited for Darren Till getting beat up by Marvin Vittori. I'd convinced myself Darren Till was going to get beat up. I spent a lot of time being annoyed by Darren Till. I thought it would be, be good for everybody to watch him get his ass beat by Marvin Vittori, who seems very angry. Just really angry at all times, Marvin Vittori. I can get behind that, man. You know, some anger? Not just shit talk, just anger. He's upset. That's a- you see what he's angry about today? What? What, he, what pissed him off today? <laughs> That the media will not stop talking about the Paul brothers. It is so disrespectful <laughs> that they're giving so much shine to the Paul brothers. Who are these nobodies we're, we're, that are headlining? We're at a real like, He's not wrong. Yeah, Marvin Vittori's got a real. You know what really grinds my gears? Attitude to, pro, to media these days. Martin, Martin Vittori is spoken like a true person, not from this country. And you know what? He has a lot of sense behind him. Why the fuck are we dealing with the Paul brothers? The the Paul brother that was on WWE on Friday, that was the one that videotaped some dead dude in Japan. Come on, yeah. You know what it makes me uh, it makes me think of. Uh, do you remember um, Troy Barnes' politically conservative fight rap in Community? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Martin Vittori is the Bing Bong sing along. Your name's Al Gore because your views are wrong. <laughs> That's how he feels about everyone else. Your views are wrong. Um, Marvin Vittori. Look, this podcast has made it clear. That's the matchup we want to see from Israel Adesanya. We want to see them run that back. That is the matchup that interests us. A man who took the third round off Izzy Adesanya easily. All right? Um, Marcus um, kept stepping in for Darren Darren Till is Kevin Holland, which I want to say, we talked about this when I think I said Kevin Holland was my fighter of the year last year. Kevin Mm -hmm. Holland's willingness to just, Kevin Holland's ability to stay ready and just lay his nuts out there to fight after every three, four weeks. Much respect. And in this case, this is a big risk for a guy who just spent a fight getting grappled. 
fighting someone like Marvin who will get on top of you and beat your ass. He'll climb out. He'll take you down, get on top of you, and just start beating your ass. I Kevin Holland's talking about how, like, look, he'll do whatever kind of fight Marvin wants to do. If Marvin wants to talk shit, he'll talk shit. If Marvin wants to be quiet, he'll do that. He says he's not going to, he's, he's going to still talk, but he'll be serious and all that shit. This is a giant risk for this kid, I think. Even if it's on short notice, people aren't going to remember that. They're going to remember that he lost two in a row. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it's tough. You know, right now it definitely seems like on paper this is, you know, ill-advised. This is not a particularly good matchup. Ha having just lost to Derek Brunson, who's, you know, a, a strong wrestler to fight another guy like Marvin, who's another strong wrestler. You know, it, it's either that we'll, we come back next week and it was like, yeah, that was a foolish decision. He shouldn't have taken such a short notice fight after he just lost to another wrestler. Or the inverse is he fucking turned ship real fast. Mm -hmm. And we forget about the Derek Brunson fight because he, he, you know, he comes in here and he beats if he beats Marvin, you know, that really does a lot to bounce back from that loss. So it, it's a risky move. You know, it's a ballsy move. I give him all the credit in the world for taking this on like basically like a week's notice, more or less. A really tough you, matchup, but if he wins, like that's huge. Because Marvin, like, 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 I mean, I think you and me, Bob, we're, we've been on on the Marvin train for a while. We definitely think he has something to prove against Izzy. Uh, but if if Kevin can come in, you know, he kind of steals some of that thunder. So in, in some ways, too, he lost. You know what he lost in that last fight? He lost a lot of the momentum. Like he doesn't have any momentum now. So another loss isn't really. He's kind of already buried a bit, so to take a short notice fight and to lose it again would just be like, well, you know, he took a short notice fight. He he, he put his true. you know head on the line. Uh, you know, it did turn out for him, but you know, sometimes you got to take those risks. So it, it's really, I, I think it's it's easy to say right now, like, oh, this is a foolish mistake he's making, and you know, he loses this fight. We we look like you know we're not reading the future. We're just reading predictability this, this and what's on, most likely uh, to happen. This is on ABC, isn't it? Like this is on proper ABC, oh, like at noon. Oh, you're right. This is like is. a middle of the day that, card, isn't that, it? That's a big, yeah, and that's a big, um, you know. Dude, by the way, hey, you're right, and it, it's at twelve too. Whoa, weird. Is that the main um, card? I thought that was the prelims. The main card's at twelve. Uh, it, it at least on my Google search here, it says the main card starting at twelve. So this fight's probably going to be what, like? Well, I'm going to miss this thing. Okay. Um, you know yeah. what, man? This is um, we talked about it. I kind of we talked about it a couple weeks ago how people weren't giving Derek Brunson enough credit for this. Do you know how people will forget entirely that Derek Brunson even beat Kevin Holland? Is if Kevin sure. Holland goes out and wins this fight, Derek Holland might as well. Derek Brunson may well have lost that first fight. He'll get no credit at all. Yeah. Uh, officially, though, I'm going to pick Marvin. Oh yeah. Um, but I, you know, hats off to, to Kevin, and hopefully, you know, I would. I'll gladly take an L on this one if he can come out there and look fantastic because I think he really needs it. I think he knows that like that last performance, you know, stole a lot of momentum. He could gain a lot of that back with a win. Yeah, here. I got Marvin Vittori too. Uh, no one's ever finished Marvin Vittori before. His losses are to Antonio Carlos Jr., Izzy Adesanya, and two gentlemen without Wikipedia pages, all by decision. Uh, Marvin also, you know, been getting a lot of decisions these days, but yeah. Kevin can win in five rounds, but I would find it highly unlikely. Um, Stefan, you picked already. I'm sorry. Steph already won. Yeah, he did. I, I have not. Yeah, Mike. I didn't pick I'm on this gonna... I thought you picked when you gave the odds, or was that the yeah, other Yeah, I think I, think I was the first one. Okay, go ahead, Stefan. Make your pick. I might have been, we might have gotten viewed. Um, yeah, I don't think I read the odds either. Okay. Uh, well, there we go. We're, I mixed up with I mixed it up with the last fight. My bad, brother. Give us the odds while you're talking. Vittori is a pretty sizable favorite at minus three ten to uh Kevin Holland's plus two fifty-five. Um I'm gonna go the other way on this. Um I'm gonna take Kevin Holland with a big caveat. If he loses, 
I am going to bury him so far deep into the earth <laughs> that he is going to come out on the other side of the planet. Uh, uh, you guys stay tuned because Stefan's Stefan's hosting the show next week. So the first five ten minutes of the show might be Stefan burying Kevin Holland. <laughs> and uh, and and if he wins, then I bar I bury Marvin Vittori and I I elevate the Paul brothers to godly staff. We're going we're going real sports talk reactionary on this podcast next week, guys. All look, right, <laughs> look. Stephen A is getting a little older, right? He needs an eventual successor to just say wild shit. You know, that can be me. But um, that said, it's not for nothing. Holland had, he had his moments against Brunson, right? He still cracked him. He still cracked him with good shots. And he was still there late. He was getting wrestled, but it's not like he got to the end of the match and he was gassed. There was nothing in him that he broke. He gave up. He just had a clear deficiency. Now, the short notice of fight is troubling because there's not enough time to really shore up that deficiency. But that said, I'm not certain that Vittori is a better wrestler than Brunson. You know, I, I think I think Vittori is a well-rounded guy. But you mentioned it, Bob. That loss to Carlos Jr., as much as I just like that guy because I like Carlos Jr., the fast food chain, that guy's not that good. He's not that exceptional at anything. Mm. So Vittori is not an uber prospect right he's not a guy who just set the world on fire he's a guy who improved over time um so with that caveat you know holland might have the athleticism to make up some of this maybe vittori isn't quite as strong of a grappler but maybe like you said maybe holland takes it a little bit more seriously this fight because clearly he kind of had a lot of mental lapses in the last one um it is an uphill battle like i said i will bury him so deep into the earth as a prospect if he loses uh two in a row just because that's the hyperbole i enjoy sometimes but he's got a shot so um i i had a ch- you know i i thought there was a chance we might be all one-sided on this so uh, i'm taking a swing the other direction mike are we three to one on this we are not three to one on this one i'm going with kevin holland as well um back when kevin holland fought Derek brunson um we, we all called him, or at least I called him, a high-level gatekeeper. That could be considered an insult, but I don't think it's an insult. That shows how good Derek Brunson is. Derek Brunson beat Kevin Holland with his wrestling, with his really good wrestling. I don't know if Marvin Pintori has that in, in his arsenal. Um, we know that's what can cause Kevin Holland some, some, some trouble. So without that facet being there in, in Marvin Pintori's game... I think this is one for Kevin Holland to to pick up, get back on the on the right side of the wing column, and he's not going to be as much of an idiot in this fight. There is no way he's going to be as much of an idiot in this fight. Mark, I I think it's uh, I love how we're, we're split on this, but I think there's one thing that Steph and and Mike didn't key on, which I think could absolutely be a factor. I could see. Holland getting into Marvin's head with his shit talking oh, yeah. because this guy's so tuned up. He's angry about the Paul brothers. <laughs> Think about when he's punching Kevin Holland. And he's talking about how he has like little soft hands or something. And this dude just gets all emotional because he seems like a very emotional guy. I could actually see the the head games working on him. And that could be an interesting factor that we're, we're not really keying in on because no one really, you know, no one buys into it that much, but I could see Marvin getting mad and like overexerting himself and emotionally draining himself because of all the shit talk. But I think that might be the most interesting thing I'm looking forward to in this fight. Mike, I could, I can see Kevin Holland taking time out of training to just learn some, some shit talk in Italian just to use yeah, it in the octagon. To push some buttons, maybe. All right, man, the rest of this card's not good. 
there's a bunch of fights where I know like one person might be interesting where I'm like, oh, Jim Miller's yeah. on this. Oh, you know, fucking Scott Holtzman's on this. Oh, you know, McDessie's on this. Even then, they're iffy. We're picking one more fight. Nina Ansaroff, Mackenzie Dern. Uh, Nina Ansaroff um, coming off of a loss to Tatiana Suarez two years ago. Um, she was supposed to fight. Uh, was she was she supposed to fight somebody, or is this really her return back to MMA after having a kid? I thought she was supposed to fight somebody. I, don't know. I thought there was something booked. Could be wrong. Um, her first fight since becoming a mother. Um, taking on Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern, um, the jujitsu legend. Um, three straight wins, two by submission. Recently, uh, decision victory over Verna Yandroba back in December. The betting line for this one, Steph. Uh, really close. This will be the closest one we pick. Uh, Nina is the slight favorite at minus 130 to McKenzie's plus 110. Um, I- I'll take Nina. The answer off Nunez family. Keep winning, man. Um, well, she's coming off a loss, but Amanda, keep winning. Nina getting on that train, too. I don't know, man. This is really tough. I have no idea. Um, I don't think it'll go well for McKenzie if it stays standing. Not that she's gotten, she's gotten better. I just don't think she's as good as Nina standing. So I got Nina. Steph? Uh, I got Nina. I, I don't believe Mackenzie's gotten better. Mackenzie is incredibly one-dimensional to me. It's it's a quite a talented one-dimension. Uh, her takedowns still leave a lot to be desired. She has a strong overhand right that she is unable to set up and unable to not telegraph wildly. You know, like, the power is there, but the boxing acumen isn't. Um, you know, I, I've never really been sold on Dern as a prospect until she can really elevate some of the other areas of her game to kind of round out. Whereas Nina has, I think I've been wrong about her so many times where Nina was just another name, but she just really kept winning a lot. Like you said, coming off of a loss, but she won a lot of fights that I did not give her credit for. And there has to be something to say to your partner being like the greatest fighter in the history of the women's like divisions period, you know, to be your trainer, to be your coach. So, um, when they say steel shut start and steel, so uh, I got Nina, Mike. I'm gonna go the other way on this one. I'm gonna go with Dern. I've been in the Dern camp for as long as uh, she's been in the UFC, even before then. That is an excellent one dimension she has. This shit gets to the ground, fights over. Bobby, there is an internet term for why uh, Mike is in the Dern camp, and the response would be bonk, because go to horny jail, Mike. I, 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 you, I thought you were going to say Mike is simping. Those all work. Yeah, I was going to say. My, my, Mike only simps for... Bonk took me a Mike while. Only, I, Mike simps I for Makito. That's, really that's it. I, I still don't know exactly what bonk is, so I'm not sure... What's Bonk is a Shiba Inu who hits you over the head with a hammer because you're making <laughs> lewd comments about an attractive female on the internet. Exactly. Uh, excuse me. I said nothing of the sort. I just talked about how great she is at jujitsu, and I've been and going then, for her since before she was in the did, But Mike, and then Mike says that comment for the We Instagram. read in between the lines, though, is what you did. You, you said a statement, and he we read about what her you actually did. great single hey, dimension. Just because <laughs> you guys' minds are in the gutter does not mean that's me. What is right? the, what is the over-under on number of days before Mike sends us some Instagram picture of Mackenzie Dern? <laughs> yeah, she's a mother, okay? So three days? Show some respect. Four days? <laughs> Show some respect. Um, Mike, there's a category for moms. <laughs> Mark, Goddesses? Mark, what's your pick, man? <laughs> uh, I, I'm, 
I mean, I, it's tough to be on this train with Mike, I guess, now because <laughs> all these, we're alluding to all these things. But um, I'm going with Dern, too. Um, I think it's, I think it is really a tough fight. I, I think Ansaroff is, I, I think. Like Stefan, and maybe even Bobby, you said it too. Like I think I've been critically underrating her throughout her career, and just I think Stefan said, like just thinking like she's just another name. I think, and this is a really shitty thing to do. I think her marrying Amanda Nunes put her more like, oh, that's who this fighter is, and you know, kind of put her more on the map. But you know, look at her record; she's done really well for herself outside of that last loss. Um, but yeah, I'm going with Dern. I, I agree with Steph. Like I, I ha- I'm not seeing the big improvements that i would like to see to really get super excited about her and to really think like she is a prospect and she is going to be fighting for the belt soon but she's been getting w's like she did have that one fumble uh, you know somewhat early on in her ufc career but she's been able to rack some wins here and they haven't all been super pretty or super impressive but she's kind of consistent you know i think she's won her last three or so so i think she's going to win this fight I-, I do think it's going to be close i think it's going to be a tough fight um i think it's a tough fight to call yeah, bet, betting lines appropriate. She's uh, she's actually like looking at Nina Ansaroff's um record. I was about to shit on her because she's only ten and six, but you know, before her loss to Tatiana, she had one four in a row. Um, yeah. Notable wins in there was um, Angela Hill. Although I think this is Angela Hill before Angela Hill started to get really good, and um, my other girl Claudia Gadelia. Um, yeah, so no, there was we were Tatiana. We were talking about her getting a title shot. That fight with Tatiana was probably gonna be like we all no one thought she was gonna be Tatiana, because Tatiana's a goddamn beast. But I mean, that was the conversation. When she wins that she might get a title shot. I do appreciate the family planning, by the way, in the Nunez answer of household where she's like, All right, I'm gonna fight for this number one contender thing. I didn't get it. Time to have a kid. <laughs> I do go, Mike. When, when you see the record at ten and six and ten and one, it's like, oh, why wouldn't everyone pick Dern? But you look at when those losses came, it's like, oh, Three of those losses were super early in her career, and she's she's been more consistent without only, that last fight. So got, I think it's gonna be close. It's a tough fight to call. She only got one fight in Invicta. I don't know why I thought she, she, she had. I thought she had more than that. Um. All right. Yeah. This car's trash. It's in the middle of the day, Saturday. It's not good. But the main event's good, and this fight's good. I don't know how I'm gonna watch these two fights because they're not next to each other. If they want to be pals, they'll move this to the co-main event. Because let's. I mean, the actual co-main event. I look. I, I like Arnold Allen mostly because you know he wore that shirt like once, right, Steph? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mostly just want that shirt. I'm sure the uniform deal doesn't allow him anymore, right? The uh... yeah. By the way, we don't even have time to talk about how bad the uniform deal is. It doesn't even keep up with inflation. That's all you need to know. All right, <laughs> it doesn't keep up with inflation. <laughs> They're actually getting less money if you look at the value. Okay. Aye, aye, aye. Um. All right. Let's do stuff we like. Um. I'm going to go first. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, Kong versus Gorilla. Uh, Kong versus Gorilla. Kong versus Godzilla <laughs> and uh, WrestleMania because I'm trying to get that SEO for the podcast. I'm trying to get Mike some help when we you know, put the images up. Um, real quick, for the love of God, listen to the New Day podcast. I've converted Mark to how good this, this tournament is for their favorite toys. And if you're in your mid-30s, roughly, there, there are all our age. So it really hits when they're talking about like a vortex. Where I'm like, man, I played with the Vortex so much during the summer. You know, shit like that. Or I did not know what a fucking um, Polly Pocket is. I st- or what I still don't know what that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Well, you had a sister. Is that why? I've, I've heard of Polly Pocket. But it, and they mentioned on the show Ours the, the was Mighty, Mighty Max. Yeah. Boys yeah. had Mighty Max. I never Max, had that. Girls had Polly Pocket. Yeah, I know. The other ones, though, where I'm just like, yeah, okay. I remember, like, Ninja Turtles for me, like, 
Yeah. Like, Ninja Turtles, the van, they talk about the van, and I'm like, I had the fucking van. <laughs> like, the, a couple of their, oh, I, a couple of things are like, it's all the Ninja Turtle action figures, it's all the Ghostbuster shit, it's all of the X-Men stuff, it's like, these are kind of all-encompassing, it's hard well, to Well, the X-Men figures shit, but... were a big goddamn deal, I remember. The X-Men Absolutely. figures were big deal, the Lego, Lego's tough, Lego's gonna be Lego's tough to both. beat. Lego in general is just too all-encompassing. I hate Lego. Le- Lego couldn't, in my, li- in my tournament lego wouldn't even been on the list oh, i'm kind of with I you mike i, I love don't, lego i don't have the creativity like i remember exactly. i had i had a friend in elementary school bradley and he, he you know wanted to be an engineer he would make the coolest shit with lego oh, yeah, bradley was a and bad I'm just making these, lego. i'm making these little <laughs> rink-a-dink ships like oh look at i put two legos across each other and now it's an, an airplane and it was like yeah this is this isn't coming for me i don't got the imagination you know, yeah if you like grew up you know in the 90s the toys are talking about like when they're talking about pogs I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Pogs. <laughs> you got to get your slam. There was like a year in school where Pogs just ran shit, I remember. Anyway. New yeah, day. but then everyone realized Pogs is a gambling game. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is bad for children <laughs> to be doing. Um, it's a really good podcast. Check it out. I say it all the time. Um, Kong versus Godzilla. That movie is everything you want it to be. No more, no less. Superman punch off of a skyscraper. It happens. All right? What else do you need, man? Mike has a look on his face where he's about to watch this tomorrow, is what he just, is what that look on his face is. The movies in this series have not been good, many of them. Notably, the last one, I believe, I forgot what it was called, but I watched it a week ago, uh, a week or so ago. King of Monsters, right? Yeah, the one. Godzilla versus King of Monsters or something. Whatever. I was talking to Stefan about it, how I said this might be the dumbest movie in terms of plot I've seen in a long time. Um, The girl from Stranger Things remains terrible in these movies. Um, but Paperboy is in this one, right? Paperboy fucking kills it, man. Paperboy is excellent. Um, the kid, the Aussie kid from Daredevil, not Daredevil, Deadpool two, is in this. Mm. He's pretty funny. Um, you know, it's, it's this. There's a bunch of actors in it where you recognize them. Um, I think you're forgetting the most important person that's in this movie. God, Coach Taylor. Coach Taylor is in this. Coach Taylor is basically playing Coach Taylor in these movies. He's real exasperated. That's what we need, baby. We need more things. Coach Taylor. In um, if you have HBO Max, man, you still got it. Watch it. It's two hours. You're good to go. There's like three or four fight scenes. It's what you're there for. Um, it's a lot of unnecessary destruction. A lot of people assuming some characteristics about these monsters' personalities that don't exist, I feel. Some nuance that doesn't exist in these motherfuckers. A plot that doesn't make a ton of sense, if you ask me. Um, but it's a good time. Um, finally, it is WrestleMania week. And WrestleMania is still WrestleMania, the granddaddy of them all. I have a Peacock, Peacock subscription now. I was watching WrestleMania five the, uh, this weekend, where it was about how Hulk Hogan was trying to steal Macho Man's wife. Because that shit was what was happening. Macho Man had eyes. And somehow Macho Man was a bad guy. What the fuck? <laughs> that was not... What the fuck, man? <laughs> he was trying to steal hey, Elizabeth. He's a Just let him He was trying life. to come steal on. Elizabeth, man. <laughs> Look, come on, man. So, you know, they had that storyline. They had the Matt Hardy, Lita Edge. And then they did this Bobby Lashley, Rusev one. Like, every decade, Vince McMahon likes to do the someone stealing your real-life wife story angle. That is just a, that is a tried-and-true staple of the WWE universe. Um, so they're doing WrestleMania at Raymond James Stadium, which is where they have the pirate ship. And they are building another pirate ship for the set based on the drone footage. Kevin Owens has promised to jump off the pirate ship. I don't know how he's going to die without dying, um, but he's promised. 
Um, WrestleMania is two days again. Um, they got 25,000 fans in a 70,000 seat stadium with pods and social distancing and masks and temperature checks. And I'm pointing these things out because I don't think the UFC is doing any of that shit a couple weeks later. Um, maybe temperature checks. No pods. Packed stadium. Jacksonville. Um, They'll be handing out moist towels. Moist towelettes and you're UFC signing your life away when you get those tickets. Signing that waiver. Um, WWE isn't really my bag at this point. Uh, and if it is, it's NXT mostly. I'm more invested. Honestly, Steph, you and I talked about this to Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly match later this week. That's what I'm really mostly up for this week. Um, I don't know if whatever night that's on is the night I'm, I don't know if that's Wednesday or Thursday, but I'm watching that for sure. In terms of WrestleMania, Mike, I, is it bad that I'm most excited for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn with no, no build because they've wrestled 75 other times and every time has been good? I don't think it's that bad. I mean, you've seen them wrestle before. Um, you watch them well, is that they headlined the New Japan thing they 10 years ago and you said it, they headlined Ring of Honor three or four times. They headlined two NXT takeovers. I mean, they are, this is like the feud of the, of these, of the generation. I think that speaks, I think that speaks more to just how lackluster they've been, um, building the feuds leading up to WrestleMania. Uh, at this point, I don't care about the triple threat match between, you know, Roman, Triple uh, Triple I was about to say Triple H, uh, Edge and, and Daniel Bryan. Don't give a shit about that in the least. Um it's kind of cool that Bobby Lashley has the title, but it's it's a little lackluster that you know that Drew McIntyre is just gonna take it off of him again. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't even know what uh Rhea Ripley is uh is facing Asuka with no build for, for, for the raw belt with no yeah build they're gonna take all. the strap Rhea of Asuka again for no reason <laughs> this is this is Rhea Ripley's second week on Raw like literally this is her second week on Raw and she's going to WrestleMania for a title I, the I, only match I really care about is um uh Sasha Jesus what are their names yeah Sa- Sasha and uh, Bianca Belair that's the only one I, I also care about. I also like Big E versus Nigerian Apollo Crews I am oh, I am good. all as someone first generation I enjoy how uncomfortable this is making people because all of us who are first generation can do an our can do our parents accents accents perfectly all right we can run that shit by people no problem and I like um I listen to the Mass Man podcast which I know Stefan listens to too sometimes and Kaz I forgot Kaz's last name. Kaz himself is Nigerian as well. And he said, I like how uncomfortable this feud makes white people. And I too like how uncomfortable this feud makes white people. Because Apollo is speaking with a Nigerian accent and people don't know what to do. They, they're they just looking at black people like, is this okay? Is he doing, is it okay he's doing this? And we don't know. Is it okay? I like that Apollo's on TV with a gimmick. Because Apollo has just been the smiling black dude in, in WWE for about five years. They gave him nothing this whole time. He's just an athletic dude with no gimmick. Um, so yeah, I like Big E is gonna lose, I think, and move on to the title, the main title. I think that's what we're here for. Uh, honestly, what we're saying basically is SmackDown is way better than Raw. I don't know if people watch Raw. My understanding is it's bad. Um, Bobby, this is what I need to know since you have Peacock. You need to tell me the minute that they release Sammy's documentary. Oh. I need his full conspiracy documentary. If there's not a full documentary, what are we even doing? Sammy is the best heel they got. Okay, Roman is. Sammy's the second best heel they got. And he's not even a heel because (laughs) 
He's just saying real shit. <laughs> like, his Twitter account is calling out corporate advisors, the corporate uh, advertisers and stuff. Um, Sammy had Logan Paul on SmackDown, and it wasn't the worst thing I've seen. You know, I did like Kevin Owens come out and just pushing Logan Paul, though, because he's like, I don't know. Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't, I have kids. <laughs> I'm not going to be seen with your dumb ass. Yeah, it's WrestleMania, man. It's um the biggest, this is the biggest time of the year for them. And um, last year, you know, pandemic WrestleMania in the Performance Center was oddly entertaining because that Buried Alive match, or what did they call it? They didn't call it Buried Alive match, but that's what it was. The, the Boneyard match. Boneyard match. That was good. And more importantly, Bray Wyatt sent John Cena to the fucking land of wind and ghost, and we haven't seen him since. That was maybe top five WrestleMania match ever without being wrestling at all. So that's what I got. A whole bunch of random shit. Godzilla vs. Kong, though, man. Watch it. Mike, what do you got this week? All right. Well, I will be checking out Godzilla vs. Kong in uh, the next few days. I mean, I was going to watch it anyway, but Superman Punch really sold it for me. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Bobby has a good idea what I'm going to say, my, the stuff I like this week, because in the group chat with our law school buddies, I wouldn't shut the hell up about this when I discovered it about five days ago. But... As some of you guys may know, there's a couple of things I have a soft, soft spot for. CW shows, uh, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and um, Glee. Basically, anything with a nice musical in it, right? And I like Glee. I like the, that, that Broadway show that Deborah Messing was in, Smash. I actually really enjoyed it. I was uh, really sad when that got canceled. And... I am actually very shocked at myself that I did not discover Zoe's extraordinary playlist until the second season. Um, I think our friend Phil may have mentioned that at one point, but I kind of brushed him off and I owe him an apology because I discovered this show last week when I was just perusing the, the Peacock uh, uh, app and I have torn through that show absolutely love that show it's an extremely emotional show it stars a uh, jane levy she's some redhead she's been in some shit like that i just can't quite place that she she was in um but she just has one of those faces um she's this girl that she goes into like some magic mri machine during an earthquake and she comes out of the mri machine and She's able to hear the innermost thoughts that people are having, like emo innermost emotional thoughts people are having, but they're in the form of song. So whatever they're thinking in the moment, she hears them in song. And it's a great concept because, uh, you know, it allows them to break into song and, you know, not actually, you know, really get in the way of the flow of whatever the, the, the actual scene is doing. So really enjoy it. The cast is really good. It's got Alex Newell in it. You're wondering who the hell is Alex Newell. If any of you watched Glee, he was uh, unique in some of the, the later seasons. Um, he plays kind of like the... Nope, Steph has not watched Glee, so he has no idea. No, who I watched unique Glee, is. but I don't remember who unique is. Uh, he was the, um, the black dude that, um, you know, uh, cross-dressed. This is this is when Glee had this is when um Supergirl was like the female lead of Glee. 
At the yes, end, that is true. This was like four years. Like I'm now thinking that Glee may have ran for a season oh, or two. It kept going longer bro. than I thought it. Oh yeah, it got, it got bad. It got bad <laughs> okay. after the main cast graduated. Oh, um, there was another run with a new cast. Okay, I, I, yeah, I and then, and then Homeboy part. OD'd in real life, and they had to do episodes about him. It got real uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> we kept going at that. Oh, point? they were. Jesus yeah, they kept Christ. going. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Never mind. So, I I real I, I I haven't seen several seasons. Then so never mind. He's a he's a really good singer on that show. And then the thing that sold this show to me is that the man, the myth, the legend, Skylar Aston, is in this show. Who's Skylar Aston? You say? Oh, he's only this guy that was in this small little production called Pitch Perfect. His name. That's right. His name on the Mass Man podcast when he's a guest is Pitch Mister Perfect. That's right. All right. He was a troublemaker, and we all know that prepare for some trouble when it comes to Skylar Aston. Um, really liked the show. I burned through the first season um, in about a day and a half. Um, I'm halfway through the second season. Um, I have no problem admitting when I cry at things. And this is a show that amazingly did make me cry because it has some very poignant moments in the, in the first season. Uh, involving the dad who's played by uh, Peter Gallagher. So if you guys have time and you got the Peacock Network, I say check out Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Peter Gallagher is the dad from the OC, since Mike didn't want to explain the le- the legend with the eyebrows. <laughs> I just know him as the dude with the eyebrows. I know of Peter Gallagher. I didn't even know what else he's been in. Fair. Okay. Um, Steph. Oh, yeah, I got a couple things this week. Um, yet one of the things I kind of just happened upon by accident, but then I just stayed in a rabbit hole and kept watching it. Um, I ended up catching the U.S. Olympic trials for amateur wrestling um, this past weekend, um, and that was really fun. Uh, kind of the big stories coming out of it was uh, we had, I remember him in college. He was a, kind of a legend over in Cornell, a kid, uh, Kyle Dake, who's 30 now, um, but his claim to fame is he knocked out Pride of American Wrestling, Jordan Burroughs, who had been undefeated for 10 years. Um, Kyle Dake has three losses to Jordan Burroughs. This is, as they say, fourth time is the charm, but um, he kind of handled Jordan Are, are we Burroughs. getting he Jordan, Steph? Down. That's the question. Are we getting Jordan in MMA, Steph? That's the question. Um, yeah, so Jordan's not going to the Olympics because apparently they can only send one. Like that's There's not multiple representatives, so... Jordan's been undefeated for a decade. He he dabbled in MMA in the past, but um, Kyle Dake, I I watched Jordan Burroughs, and he he's got a unique athleticism in wrestling, but his offense was completely shut down. And Kyle Dake looked the best he ever had. Um, then we also had a kind of a storyline. Another guy who's coming up, uh, most recent NCAA champion, twenty year old uh, Gable Dan Stevenson, uh, named Gable Dan after Dan Gable, like the all-time greatest American wrestler, and somehow this kid lived up to the billing. Um, fresh off of like the NCAA championship, I want to say like three weeks ago, uh, he's going for the heavyweights. He defeated the number one seed really cleanly, really handily. Um, I- I'm forgetting his name. It's like Gil- is, is he the Dousey Stanford? Is he the Stanford kid? No, I think he's one of the Arizonas. Okay, there's a Stanford kid who won. And then there, he had a whole he like they no no one from Stanford will wear well everybody's wearing their stuff inside out for Stanford. I think that's a smaller thing because yeah the Stanford program is about to go. Yeah, one under. of them won the tournament though the NCAA yeah. tournament at least yeah. But um yeah Gable he he twenty year old 
college kid is about to go represent America, and he's considered the favorite. Um, he did like a double handspring backflip to show his insane athleticism. Um, all the comments on YouTube and everything were like salivating at the prospect of him joining MMA. But this kid, he put a tweet out where he tagged Vince McMahon. He said, get at me pro wrestling. He wants to go the Brock Lesnar route. Um, he wants the money in that. And this kid, uh, he is he's remarkably athletic, very strong. Um, and a name like Gable Stevenson, you know, poor Chad Gable. Uh, it's, if that guy had a little bit more size, maybe he'd be having the career. But um, whatever this kid does, you know, obviously he's about to go chase Olympic gold. Um, and being the favorite that young has to be pretty amazing. But um, it seems like he's interested in pursuing pro wrestling or if he pursues MMA, you know, that's why it's partially interesting, I think, is if there is no direct feeder to MMA the way other sports have where you scout the college ranks. So you kind of look at amateur wrestling, right? That's Absolutely. kind of the most natural transition. So if guys want to go from there, um, this is where you can kind of see it. So now that Jordan Burroughs quest for like three straight Olympics is dashed, What's he going to do next? What is Gable going to do? Um, but it was really compelling. It was just shocking that the guys who qualified, it was really one-sided. I went to wrestling and judo in the um, London Olympics. What was that, back in 2012? Yep. And it's actually kind of uninteresting when you get to the Olympic level because the guys are so high-level, nothing happens. Like, no one can get a takedown off. There's just a lot of hand-fighting, a lot of collar-grabbing because they're both so talented that it kind of becomes a stalemate. But, you know, these guys in the qualifiers, all the ones who are going to represent their divisions – did so in dominant fashion. So um, it looks like America is going to field a really, really strong wrestling team this year. Yeah. As to what Steph was saying that we don't really, you know, that is, I used to, I would sometimes watch um, what they refer to as March madness, which I love that they call it March madness for the NCAA wrestling. It makes me happy. But like you look at a lot of the bell tours uh, ranks right now, Tyrell fortune, Ed Ruth, Aaron Pico. It's where these dudes came from, man. That Scott Coker has been really good about that. Um, chasing down the young cats and slowly building them. Possibly too slow. We know the Kakoka route here. Eventually, they all face Rudy Bears, and there's only one Rudy Bears. Can't fight everybody, you know? But yeah, um, Steph, you had other stuff? <laughs> uh, yeah, my other one was uh, my first non-anime watch recommendation in a little while, but um, over on HBO Max, because God bless uh, that streaming service, it's a Cinemax show. I So this show had been on my radar for a while. Just It took me some time to kind of give it a shot. Um it's kind of really topical now, and that said, it made watching some of the harsher parts of it feel a little bit gratuitous at times. But um, I'm a few episodes now into the show called Warrior, which is a period piece martial arts crime drama. It takes place in 1870s San Francisco, um, and it's about if the main character we follow is awesome. I guess a lot of this show is inspired by writings of Bruce Lee, but we follow a character who is fresh off the boat from China, um, landing in San Francisco because he's looking for his sister. Um, he gets indoctrinated into a gang or a tong. And, you know, there's tongs that are dividing up Chinatown. Um, it looks like we're going to build towards the Chinese Exclusion Act. But you kind of you're dealing with Irish workers who are kind of pissed off at the Chinese immigrants brought in as cheap labor. You have all the racial tensions. And like I said, with kind of things going on in our country right now, it just feels extra prevalent it didn't like some of that racism stuff it feels a little bit dirtier but um it's real heavy it's real serious um the fight choreography is amazing uh like um one of the actors is joe taslam who um was in the raid which kind of revitalized the martial arts action scene movie um he'll be playing sub-zero in this upcoming um 
Mortal Kombat movie. So just the the fight scenes are very legit because the actors are very trained themselves. It's it's, it's so um, yeah, just kind of a period piece. America like it takes place in San Francisco. That's our neck of the woods. Um, I just find it very fascinating because we don't really get a lot of shows in this perspective. Um, it's been really good so far. Um, like I said, it, it, it's it's full hour long. Um, it was on Cinemax. Tons of nudity, tons of blood and gore. Um, very violent, very like, adult fare. But um, I haven't had a show to watch like this in a little while. Um, so it kind of hits a nice niche of that kind of uh, serious drama action in a way. Um, well, yeah, kind of being like a historic time setting in a part of the world that I'm familiar with. So um, I think all of you would at least find it interesting. Um, I, de- I definitely think it's at least worth checking out. Um, yeah, just HBO Max apparently has got a lot more uh, content than uh, we would have initially suspected. Like I think some of y'all said, it's kind of what I'm watching the most Absolutely, now bro. out of all these streaming services. Yeah, I remember the day it came out. I, I'm the first one to get it because I signed up the trial. I remember looking at it and sending you guys screenshots like, yo, this sucks. Now, I'm all about HBO Max. That is what that is my go-to at this point to see what's new on HBO Max. Marcus, round it out for us, brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to try to keep it short. Uh, first and foremost, I have to, I got to pour one out. The old PS4 croaked this weekend. Oh, no. It gave a, it was a long, hard fight. That fan, oh, baby, that was blowing hard. What, what are we going to do, bro? What's the plan now? Oh, man. I, that, that, that was the yes, question. <laughs> well, the question was, like, in an ideal world, I could just get a fucking PS5 and the, and the issue would be solved. Um, I was also thinking, like, oh, you know, maybe I'll pick up a new one. Um, I did find a place. I was actually... I probably should have... Actually, I didn't have time to, to, to hang out stuff, but I was actually... I, I found a re- uh, repair place in San Leandro that fixes the fan. I know it's the fan. The fan has been whirly gigging hard these last couple months. And uh, I was playing Monster Hunter with uh, my brother-in-law, Sean, and our friend Chris. And uh, after five hours of playing, uh, the system overheated. It kept beeping, and then it shut itself off. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And then I gave it some time, let it rest. I turned it back on, and me and Christine both like, I'm not hearing that fan. You hear that fan. That fan boosts up hard. So I, I know the fan just died out on it. So this place in San Leandro's uh, should be able to fix it. So, you know, hopefully they can fix it, and um, we'll be right as rain in a couple days here. I mean, if not, it, the thing was a fucking warrior. I mean, I use that. That was my streaming box. So that was a daily. That thing was on every day for, you know, at least four hours and, you know, early in the pandemic, like it was almost running all day on the weekends. It's on all the time. So, you know, it 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 earned its pay for sure. But hopefully these guys can fix it um, and we can we can move on. Um, I did start playing um, Disco Elysium, the final cut, which just came out on consoles and got re-released on PC. Uh, that actually came out in 2019. A really good, fantastic point and click um, RPG Uh these games live and die by its writing and also uh, voice acting. And this game's got it in spades. I haven't put a, a ton of time in it because my system did die. Um, but I've been enjoying the few hours I put in. Uh, really high quality. Definitely was uh, deserving of all the Game, in Year- game of the Year nominations I got a couple years ago. Uh, too bad Steph just walked away because I let him borrow my copy of House of X. And I started reading it. And I'm not surprised that it's fantastic. I mean, I asked for it because I... I'm a huge fan of Jonathan Hickman, uh, but actually getting in, I'm about a little over halfway. And I, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised that it's amazing and it's fantastic. And it's making the X-Men more interesting and relevant and cool in my eyes. than they have been since the nineties cartoon. Um, but it's just, this dude is just that he's just that good. He is top level, you know, top of the class, 
he's what he does in comics is just fantastic and i knew it since the first thing i read of him when i when i when i got his Did first you graphic it? novel no i'm about halfway through um but when i read Did his you first, get to the sorry i'm interrupting you. Did you get to the moira stuff the moira yeah. chapter the moira that stuff was blew my mind really blew good. my mind um what hickman does so well is his stories are really complex there's a lot of moving pieces going on and and definitely even in reading this there's like there's like issue two is just like you're lost. You're like, what the fuck? He's jumping from year one of X-Men to year 10 to year 100 to year 1,000. And one in 10, you're like, okay, I'm on board. I kind of understand this shit. But year 100 and 1,000, you're like, what the fuck are these characters? I have no idea what's going on. What he does so well is that he makes these extremely complex, deep stories. And then he goes the extra mile to explain it and to make sure that you can follow along like you keep reading like okay everything that i didn't know what the fuck was going on before is clearly explained now and it just it just it's so well done and like, like step was saying the stuff with mora she's this mutant that has um she can reincarnate herself and how they kind of explain her timelines and what she's learned through each life and how she tries to correct it and how it keeps failing and what she needs to do to try to you know get mutants to survive and i think you know it, it's well treaded territory for x-men and them being you know outcast and hunted down and killed off because they're different you know um so it's a storyline that we've seen many times before but just never done this well you know just not even close um yeah so i mean i'm not surprised uh like i said i just ever since i read jonathan hickman i don't really attach on to a lot of um like comic writers it's usually like certain characters like i like squirrel girl i like the avengers that's the stuff I'll kind of pick out, but like Hickman's a guy that's like from image then going into Marvel. And I still haven't read a lot of his Marvel stuff, like his fantastic four stuff. I haven't read. Um, it's just, it's so well done. He's in a class of his own. Um, and, and to, to, to kind of give it the, the chef's kiss, the art in this book is fucking fantastic. It's so vibrant and detailed and bright and beautiful. Each panel's fantastic. And Hickman has this thing. He loves to do these, kind of interludes where he explains things like weird graphs and stuff. And he's been doing that since the nightly news. It's just, it's one of his little markers and it's just so interesting. He does such a fantastic job. So not only me, not only am I like super into house of X, uh, his next, I, I showed stuff like his next big compilation graphic novel, um, sword of X, which is like his continuation of the X-Men stuff is coming out in a couple weeks. And it's like, I'm, I haven't finished House of X. I'm buying that because this is just so good. I want to see where it continues to go. So that stuff has been really great. The last thing I wanted to mention, I've mentioned the show a long time before, and I really just kind of wanted to ask Mike, Mike, have you ever heard of Game Center CX? I might have mentioned or asked you about it before. Uh, this is a Japanese have, show. If you have mentioned it, I don't remember it. Yeah. So Game Center CX, it's been going on in Japan for like well over a decade. I don't know that the comedian actors full name they call him chief uh arino and i think if you saw the picture of it mike you you might recognize it because he's he's very popular in japan and basically the whole premise of the show is he just plays old famicom super famicom games and the premise of the show is can he beat them right and he has all these uh, uh assistants that try to help him it's just really fun um what kind of got me back onto it is chris i have they released they did dubs or actually some uh yeah some dub for kotaku actually got like 12 episodes and they and they post them on kotaku and they put them out on dvd and we were watching them on dvd and i was just I, every now and then I, I i get back into it i'm like man is this guy's still doing it fucker still last thursday he had a new episode he has over like 300 episodes and 
it's a fantastic show. I really love it. If you like, I mean, I think I feel like now of any time he could potentially get a foothold in, you know, the American landscape, because I think, you know, watching people on Twitch has become very popular. He's a very funny guy. He's very charismatic. And, you know, uh, what, I, what I find so interesting, he plays these hard ass Famicom games that are just unfair and brutal. But he he has a very cool demeanor about it, because, I mean, for me, I'd be fucking cursing and swearing and wanting to snap the cart. And he just he keeps a calm face about it and just has a good time. So, yeah, I definitely recommend if you kind of like, you know, the kind of subdued Japanese humor and like checking out old retro games. I mean, go on his wiki page and just look through the games and find a game that you like and see the hardest part is finding the shit. Um, you know, it has a big fan community that has been subtitling a lot of it. Um, but it's, it's, it's not the easiest thing to find, but if you find a game that you like and you can watch the episode, you know, give that a shot. I've thoroughly been enjoying it. Twitch has a whole bunch of the seasons online. There's a bunch of stuff on YouTube. Um, and then there is a website that has a bunch of torrents of these guys that have been subtitling it. So Game Center CX has always been a big favorite of mine that I dip into uh, here and there. But yeah, that's all I got this week. Right on, boys. Well, we'll be back next week. And um, is there a pay-per-view and the Paul thing? Or is it just the Paul thing next week? I think it's just the Paul thing. I don't think we're not, we're not at Mosman Usman yet. That's not the, that's the 24th so. or something. I thought the I thought there was one more, but I took a. I it closed looks that like tab. we got oh Bobby Knuckles versus Kelvin Gastelum on ESPN. That's a that's gonna be interesting. And then after that, we got a we got the pay per view with Usman and Masvidal. Um, yep. All right, guys, we'll be back next week. Um, we're gonna talk extensively about Logan Paul versus Ben Askren. Uh, Steph's hosting the show, so either Marvin Vittori or Kevin Holland's getting buried for the first five minutes. Um, Stefan might have to put together a bit of a, a diss track, maybe like a, a you know, <laughs> what's the name of that count on AEW just comes out and raps against people now. Uh, I mean, we already established we, uh, we might have had some childhood on the streets, mm. not necessarily good rappers though. Exactly. But, uh, I don't think it's Castor Troy. No, Ca- uh, I think that's Nick Cage's I was going to say Castor Troy is the bad guy from face off. Um, all right, guys, we'll be back next week. Thank you all for listening. Um, yeah. Superman punch off a skyscraper. Just going to leave you with that. I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms. Follow us on uh, YouTube, man. And stuff we like. Check out our stuff we like. If you don't want to listen to the whole thing on YouTube, it's cool. Just It's worth, even if you listen to the podcast, you go back and watch stuff we like with Mike's, uh, it's annotated, really, with images. I'm wondering how Mike's going to capture this Superman punch off the skyscraper. I mean, last week killed me. Mike murdered me at the very end i was crackling up i feet in the air kicking i was screaming laughing <laughs> that that i mean look at i hosted the goddamn thing goddamn thing and i watched it again and i was i was laughing it up mike puts the extra effort in and it is worth the views for sure yeah and uh um i'm happy that it tickles you guys all right well thank you all for listening good back next week peace out mm-hmm. see ya cheers